K-A-L-W. If there's anything we can get behind, it should be 43 songs from the Disney songbook. San Francisco's Gay Men's Chorus is creating Disney magic. And being able to do the show now is a really, I think, important way to draw the community together. Bringing Disney pride to the stage. Then two musicians in prison break racial taboos to form a band together. Because sometimes you'd be sitting up there and then I'd be, you know, like, you know, messing with some. And I'll be like, hey, that sounds cool. that's that pretty good, man. Let's see, what's going with that? And did social media invent the California super bloom? It's not novel. As soon as newspapers formed around here, people would talk about the flowers. Coming together over music and wildflowers. I'm Hannah Baba, and this is Cross Currents. This year, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus is celebrating 45 years of captivating audiences, but with a magical twist. They're performing a Disney Pride concert. They'll be singing dozens of Disney classic songs, and choir members will share personal stories about love and LGBTQ plus pride. The show also celebrates the Disney company turning 100. Jacob Stensberg is the new artistic director of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. KLW's Janae Darden spoke with him about making Disney magic. Jacob, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, and congratulations on the big job that you got. Thank you. <laughs> You've been doing music for a long time. Just going back to the beginning, what song or artist or production lit something in you that made you want to go into music? I remember the moment. I must have been seven or eight years old in the back of my mom's minivan to or from soccer practice, one of those things. And it was the first time that I remember hearing music and being really interested. And it was still, I'm old enough that it was via cassette tape. (laughs) And I remember hearing different styles of music and this beautiful voice that could sing jazz or ballads or Broadway. And I had to ask my mom, what are we listening to? I love this. And it was the Beaches soundtrack featuring Bette Midler. I'm always a flop at a top-notch affair. Which is not like the happiest movie for a seven-year-old boy to fall in love with, but I must have watched it every day for a year. Wow, you know, I didn't know what you was gonna say, so that was cool. (laughs) So you you've taken on this role as artistic director of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, and you started last summer. Yes, July first was the first day of work. Okay, so July first, twenty twenty-two. Yes. So how does it feel? It is the honor of a lifetime to do this work and this community with these people. There are days when it's overwhelming. There are days when it is scary. There are days when it is the most joy I've ever felt in my entire life. And the feeling I love the most is that it's never lonely. There is always community. There is always someone to lean on when I need help, which is daily. And so I love the sense of family, the sense of purpose that I wake up with and fall asleep with every single day is what I've been searching for for a very long time. What do you hope to bring as artistic director? What's your own magic you bring into this position? Mm, That's really an excellent question. 
I consider myself sort of a perpetual optimist, which doesn't mean I believe things are good now. It means I believe that with hard work, we can make things really good in the future. You know, that's my definition of optimism. And so bringing that and really doubling down on the organization's mission statement, which includes building community, fostering compassion, and inspiring activism. I think if we can use music to do those three things, we've done magic. Speaking of magic, yes, a project, a concert that you have what coming a transition. up. <laughs> what a transition. So perfect. What we've all been wanting to talk about, too, as well, is the Disney Pride in concert. You know, you talked about Bette Miller being an inspiration. And I know, too, for a lot of queer artists, there's a Disney movie, there's a Disney character that mm-hmm. resonates with them. Any characters or movies that resonate with you? And, and what does working on this project mean to you? Sure. As a kid, I think the first one I had memorized beginning to end was The Little Mermaid. Ah. And I'm not sure what it was. Maybe I wanted to secretly be a mermaid myself as a child. We have three great songs from that. We're doing Part of Your World, Poor Unfortunate Souls, and Under the Sea. As an adult, the song that I get a little emotional during in every rehearsal is Go the Distance, because I think this idea of not necessarily knowing the final destination, not knowing the end point, but knowing that it's incumbent upon us to be courageous and just take the first step, it's that mindset that led me to San Francisco, not knowing the end point, but needing to start the journey. I get chills now thinking about it. So that's one of my favorite songs in the show, but I also love the set from The Little Mermaid. And being able to do the show now is a really, I think, important way to draw the community together in times when divisiveness is rampant throughout our own community and communities across the country. If there's anything we can get behind, it should be 43 songs from the Disney songbook with Disney and Pixar animation. I'm glad you mentioned just the dividedness in this country. You know, last year, the state of Florida passed the Parental Rights and Education Act, also known as Don't Say Gay Bill, Mm -hmm. which put restrictions on discussing LGBTQ issues in public schools. Now, initially, Disney was criticized for not immediately objecting to the legislation, but the company did eventually publicly denounce the bill. What are your thoughts about just all of that? And and again, what does it mean for you to be leading a Disney Pride production now? It is so disheartening to know that the times today are still where we were a year ago. Most recently, a school in Florida at the last minute canceled a performance by the King Singers, who are a group of six artists from England. And they are the highest level of performers in the world. And due to disagreements with lifestyle choices of the members of that ensemble, the school canceled that performance. And it is the only time the King Singers have canceled the performance other than COVID and World War II. To see this continually happening around the country makes me want to double down to do concerts that are about pride. And we don't just sing Disney songs and show Disney animation in this show. We have six moments throughout the show where members of our chorus tell their own personal stories, whether it be about their families or their journey or their coming out or what it has meant for them to embrace diversity in our own LGBTQ plus community. To me, it doesn't say back down and do less. It says double down and do more. 
What has it been like for you living here as a gay man? I know it's been under a year, but compared to living in the Midwest. It has been, you know, I sleep better. I drink less. I'm happier every day. And I think it's a lot because when I go for a walk, when I go to the grocery store, when I go to dinner, I see people like me, gay people, queer people, everywhere I go, as opposed to sometimes being the only person or feeling like the only person in those same contexts in Indiana. And so it has been really, really special being in a place like San Francisco. And my friends in Indiana are the most loving, welcoming, make me feel like the most special person on earth group of friends. But being here in San Francisco and walking down and seeing rainbow flags, not because it's Pride weekend, but because people are always proud here and businesses are always proud to be queer affirming is what so many of us dream of. That was Jacob Stensberg, Artistic Director of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, speaking with KELW's Janae Darden. That interview was co-produced by Porfirio Rangel. The Disney Pride concert takes place at Davies Symphony Hall on March 16th and 17th. All the details are at KELW.org. This is where I'm meant to be I'll be there someday I can go the distance I will find my way If I can be strong You're listening to Cross Currents from KALW News. I'm Hanat Baba. Now we're going to hear how music can bridge racial divides in prison. It's a story from the uncuffed team at Solano State Prison. If you think the U.S. is racially divided, prison can be even worse. But there are exceptions. Michael McEwen and Rodney Edinburgh are both incarcerated at Solano State Prison in Vacaville. Together, they've broken the harsh racial traditions of prison to play music in a band. Mike plays bass and sings. Rodney, known as Rome to his friends, writes the songs and plays guitar. Uncuffed producer Brian Massa spoke to the bandmates about how music has helped their friendship endure. Should uh, I'll get over there closer to him with that mic? Oh, hold on now. I want to get close to you, Rome. I want to be close to you. Girl, <laughs> this for a moment, baby. So, uh, what's the name of your band? Man, we went through so many changes. Man. <laughs> first, we said, um, what was it? Um, brother, um, band of Brothers. At first, it was um, Intrepid. Oh, then, then, Band of Brothers. Then we, then we changed it to Redemption. How would you categorize the music that you guys play? Man, we funk metal. Yeah, exactly, man. We take music, man. We fuse everything in it. You yeah. know what I mean? We fuse jazz with some um, with some metal. I, will, I mean, we'll take funk and fuse some metal with it. You know? I mean, we just we twist it, man. You know what I mean? We just do our thing. Wherever, wherever comes all the all of my soul through my hand to these strings, boom, that's what you got. 
So a lot yeah. of it's improvised. Man, Very much. I, yeah, because sometimes I could be sitting up there and then I'd be, you know, like, you know, messing with some. And I'll be like, hey, that sounds Ooh, great. Oh, that sounds pretty good, man. <laughs> Let's see that. We'll go with that. That's oh, great. you know what I mean? So, and, and, and it's like, okay, that's three chords right there, man. We got a song. <laughs> All right, so this is the burning question I have. And I don't want to beat it to death, but I think it's remarkable to say say so. Rome, you're from mm -hmm. Long Beach. Absolutely. You're from Modesto, Mike. <laughs> yeah. One of you guys is black, one of you guys is white. We'll let you guess which one. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things that I admire about you guys is that we're in a level three penitentiary and politics is what it is. And what I find so impressive is that you guys, you know, continue to play music together, although the political norm is to, to look down upon it. That's what we had to put out there to break the barriers, to break, you know, to come down, you know, on, on, on our little society with inside the walls. You know? Right. So, and unfortunately, man, it, it, and it's still, it's still there, but you know, it, it's, we working it, we working it out. I mean, I will always raise as an alpha male, you know? Right. So, and, um, and cats get me, you know what I mean? Sure. They, they, they know, they know how far they can go with me without me blowing up. They know, they know my records. Quote, you know, say they so. Know they they, they really says. don't want me to go on that rampage. I changed. I, I'm not that same guy no more, but that same guy still lives in me. How long have you been in prison? Oh, man. 30 years now. 30 years. Yeah, man. So, at the beginning of your journey, what was it like and what has changed between the old Rome and the Rome you see sitting before you right now? At the beginning, I was a youngster, man, and I was mad at the world. You know, I, I, was, I had hatred in my heart. So all I did was drive iron, shoe turns. I got a five-year shoe turn. That shoe turn, that's when my whole mindset changed. I used to think about, man, all that time, man, I was selling drugs. Never got busted, never been to juvenile hall, never did no time, man. And then, boom, my brother do something, I'm doing time. So I had to, I had to rationalize accepting this time, you know what I mean? So that's what I came up with, karma. So my journey is just starting from 25 to life. I am a college clerk where basically I help people get into college, help them try and get the degree, help them with their homework. I try to get people their education and not just that, but it's to better themselves. For sure. Knowledge is power, so retain that power. I was kind of blessed with coming in here and meeting all of these different people such as Rome, who inspires others from what he does, like such as painting, artwork, music. He, he taught everything himself. What's this uh, anecdote about your drawing, your writing, your drawing? Oh, yeah. Hey, man, I didn't know I could draw when I first got my shoe turned. Now, How long that, was your future? Five your, years, man. Five years, huh? Yeah. The old Corker, man. Oh. Bad rock, we used to call it. Yep. So, um, 
We um uh, I'm sitting up in there and and this is a real shoe. They don't give you nothing. Back then you don't get no radio, no TV, none of that. They give you a pen filler and some and regular paper. So I'm bored and you know I read all the books in myself trying to find some more. So I yelled down the chair and somebody slide me something to read and my partner slid me a Jet magazine. I fish for it, got it, and Janet Jackson was on the cover. So I'm looking at it, man. I'm gonna try to draw her. You know, and I took this pen, bro, a pen. If you, you know, and I actually drew it, man. And it freaked me out. I'm like, hey, homie, I can draw. <laughs> I guess, and he said, no, you can't. I'm like, yeah, I'm not drawing. But it was just the outline of it. I didn't do the shading yet. He's he a shooter. I shot it to him. He's like, man, that's just the outline. I'm like, bro, I didn't know I could do that, though. I'm going to try to fill it in. Which goes to show nothing will hold you back no matter where you are. As long as you can uh, think, you can create. And that's something they can never take away from you. Exactly. So my spirit, my soul feel lifted, dude. You know what I mean? So it came it came to my one one day I was sitting up there like, man, you know what? Freedom, man, is really the state of mind, not the state of being. That was Michael McEwen and Rodney Edinburgh speaking with Brian Massa at Solano State Prison. You can hear a song from the band Redemption and find more uncuffed stories at klw.org slash uncuffed. Our prison training programs are supported by the California Arts Council and the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Producers fact-check content to the best of their ability, and all content is approved by an information officer. This is Cross Currents. I'm Hanat Baba, and it's super bloom time. Well, maybe. Yet again, even though we don't know if there will be a super bloom this year, the hype has already started. And because of the damage that super bloom tourists can do, there are places that are already closing off hiking trails this year. In an effort to maintain safety of the public land and wildlife, today I am announcing that Walker Canyon will be closed to all visitors. The trails on both public and private lands are closed. That was Lake Elsinore Mayor Natasha Johnson preemptively shutting out visitors after the last bloom swarmed their town with, quote, as many as 100,000 tourists. She said the flowers were beautiful, but the scene was a nightmare. KLW's Marissa Ortega-Welch went to that bloom back in 2019 to learn about the origins of this super bloom mania and its impact. Look, I'm from San Diego, and I grew up going to the desert, but I had never heard this term super bloom until a couple years ago, and suddenly it feels like everybody's talking about it. My friends in the Bay and friends of friends, parents of friends, people that I didn't even know were into nature are all taking long road trips to places like Walker Canyon and the Carrizo Plain to see wildflowers. Because I'm a Grinch, I was skeptical of all this hype. And I had some questions. The first being, where did this term super bloom come from? Continue on I-5 South for 186 miles. 
So I decided to get in my car and drive to find some answers. All the way to the visitor center at Anza Borrego State Park in the Southern California desert. Five rangers field tourist questions and hand out maps. I can help people down there unless you're all together. Here's Ranger Abby Barker. A super bloom is when the whole desert is in bloom. And every place you look, you see flowers. But where did the term come from? I don't know. <laughs> I take my question to Dr. Richard Minnick, an ecologist at UC Riverside. I ask him, is superbloom a scientific term? Absolutely not. <laughs> and he doesn't know where it came from either. But Richard says the media's glommed onto it recently as a shorthand for a really good wildflower season. We never used the word. We just, we looked at it in terms of, is it once a decade, once in a generation, or once in a lifetime? Okay, so what makes a good wildflower bloom then? Richard says it's a few dry years in a row, followed by a rainy year. This is the moment. The flowers will take off because there's no grasses around to interfere with them. And you'll get a great burst of bloom. That's what people are going out to see right now. But this has happened before, right? Is this excitement about wildflowers new? It's not novel. As soon as newspapers formed around here, people would talk about the flowers. Richard wrote a book about the history of wildflower blooms in the state. He says starting in the late 1800s, Southern California papers ran articles about people going to see the wildflowers. He reads me an article from 1905. They were gathering the beauties by the handful and the armload. That was March 18th. On March 20th, spare the poppies. If the, if the crowds were people and children who were engaged in pulling up these beautiful flowers do not show more discretion, the poppies will not be there next year. <laughs> so poppy panic, even back then. Okay, the excitement is nothing new. But then why do I feel like the recent hype just appeared out of nowhere? In the last decade, we had a string of years with very little rain. Meanwhile, something else was booming. And now to the hottest apps of the year. iPhone photo program called Instagram. You know the one. It makes it almost impossible to take a bad shot. If you don't know it, check it out. It is Today, Facebook announced it as top one billion active users, becoming the first social networking site to hit that number. Well, uh, 2017 uh, really caught uh, Borrego Springs and, and the park uh, by surprise. This is Betsy Kanak, executive director of the Anza Borrego Desert Natural History Association. When a good wildflower bloom finally hit in 2017, people posted photos of it on social media. Whether it was uh, Facebook or Instagram or, or uh, the, even the Internet, uh, we uh, just did not realize how quickly word spread. The response was a deluge. Tens of thousands of people flooded into the tiny town of Borrego Springs to see the blooms. It was very crazy. Restaurants ran out of food. Traffic was backed up for an hour getting into the park. Back in 2005, the Nature Center got about 300 people on a good wildflower spring weekend. This year, she says, several thousand people visit the center every day. So I still had one more question. Is the Superbloom hype a good thing or a bad thing? This year, Borrego is ready. The whole town had a meeting to prepare. Now, restaurants are staying open, traffic's moving, and a lot of money's coming into the town. Betsy likes that the wildflower blooms bring people to the desert. It helps new people learn about the area. But there are downsides. Flowers get trampled, and there's the carbon footprint of all of us driving here. 
Could thousands more people visiting a place like Borrego turn into thousands more people invested in protecting it? Or is everyone just here for the Instagram pic? Walking around the desert, I meet people from all over the country. Most people say social media helps them learn when and where to go, but they'd be coming out to nature regardless. Finally, I see some young women posing for a photo on a rock. Okay, here are my Instagram queens. People that are just here to take selfies and post on social media. What brought you all out here? Flowers, yeah. (laughs) It's beautiful, all the butterflies and caterpillars. This is Sophia Ray, Robin Pearson, Julie Weber, and Jocelyn Ransom. They're on spring break from Cal Poly. Sophia tells me she heard about the Superbloom online from seeing other people's photos. Do you feel like social media brings you out into nature more? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, we're already nature lovers. Like yeah, I know all exactly. of us are. And they're very thoughtful about when they use social media. Sometimes if you're so focused on taking pictures, then you can't actually enjoy the moment. You know what I mean? Do you feel like that happens to you? Me, at one point, it did. They didn't bring their phones out. I mean, I didn't bring my phone. Three of them purposefully left their phones in the car. Are you going to post these photos to Instagram? (laughs) I don't know, because I... I don't usually post, like, the last time I posted was last summer, so, <laughs> so I, I think it's more of just, like, um, a memory that I can keep to myself. I'm definitely going to post this Yeah, hey, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm just in a good mood from all the desert sunshine and flowers, but I feel like the Grinch after Christmas right now. My small heart has grown three sizes. As long as visitors know how to minimize their impact and towns are prepared for the onslaught of tourism, maybe having people come experience the beauty of desert wildflowers for themselves isn't such a bad thing. In Anzabrego, I'm Marissa Ortega-Welch for CrossCurrents. Marissa reported that story in 2019. And even though the bloom this year is not likely to be as extravagant, there is still currently no reopening date for the closed roads and trails of Walker Canyon. Today's CrossCurrents team includes Priscilla Naankra, Andrew St. Singh, James Rollins, Ganadi Joe Johnson, Victor Tense, Shireen Adil, Lisa Morehouse, Marissa Ortega-Welch, Sunni Khalid, and Ben Trefney. Our opening theme music is by the John Santos Quintet, as interpreted by Daoud Anthony. For CrossCurrents, I'm Hanat Baba. Baba.